UTC hate week, guys. Why talk about the whole season? You, you could just focus all your energy and hatred towards the mocks. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> I mean, the mocks are worth mocking, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to Roost Radio. This is Zach White here, and we are back. Holy cow, we're back. It's um, Back to the Future here, part three, I think, the bad one. So I've got with me here Austin Faulkner, co-editor at CockyNation.com, and we also have a special guest with us tonight, uh, Chris Allen Brown from the Anderson Stars ASU beat writer. He's been there for a couple years now. Um, so what we're going to talk about tonight, and it's going to be relatively short, but we're going to cover a lot, uh, we're going to talk about uh, CockyNation.com coming back. Uh, we're going to go over your mailbag questions. We're going to go over some events that are going to happen in the next few weeks at Jacksonville State. And then we're going to talk about what everyone wants to, the upcoming season, specifically next week's game against the Chattanooga Mocs. Uh, so, Faulkner, how, when did when did I kind of start talking about, hey, what do you think about bringing the site back? What was it, like two months ago or something? About three days after you shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess we, we all kind of got busy with, with our day-to-day lives. And, of course, for Cocky Nation, it's not a day job for us. It's just something fun we do. And, let's see, probably, what, a couple days ago, I guess, uh, some folks reached out to me and said, hey, what do, what do you think about us taking over the site? And that was kind of the kick in the pants. I needed to go, hey, moron, you should get back to doing this. So um, everything I'd left basically up in the event that, this did happen, so we, we were able to kind of hit the ground running here. Um, this subscription ran out in October for the website? Something like that, but I just renewed it. <laughs> I actually got the email like two days after I put the post up and said we were going to do this again. I said, hey, do you want to yeah, buy your domain? Yeah, let's do that. Another year. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're good there. Um, so we've got Ashley Wilkins is going to be back for us, former Jacksonville State cheerleader. She brings a lot of really good energy. And then we also have someone new, Daniel Mays. He's also a sports writer for the Chanticleer. Um, he's going to be doing some interesting things for us. So we're going to keep a similar tone. We may be a little bit weirder, which will be good. Uh, not because of Daniel, but just me. And um, I, think, I think you're going to see a similar focus. We're just going to continue to talk about football and band and basketball primarily. But we'll do some other fun stuff here and there. Like yesterday, we posted something about Madden, just because. Why not? Um, so with that, we'll kind of get into the mailbag. Um, so we've got a couple questions here. But before we do that, um, why don't you guys just drop your Twitter handle real quick so everybody knows where they can find you? Um, um, at Cocky Nation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, she, um, I'll go Chris uh, Chris Brown underscore AL um, bumping up to I'm looking at it now 33,149 would love to get to more don't want to be uh, you know conceded but would love to get to 3,150 Chris I think we're going to hey, race that. with this because I think you have almost as many followers as our like public page does <laughs> hey, Zach, I thought we were doing pretty good not bring someone on with uh, more Twitter followers than us? Yeah, really. <laughs> You're fired. Oh, nice. <laughs> you guys have like 700 or so more than I do, but I'm trying. I'm trying to get there. So let's let's get Chris up to that level there. Um, so we we got a couple really good questions, but a lot of them are obviously about quarterback. So uh, Chris Lamphere, if if I butcher that last name, I'm sorry. 
Um, our question is, what does the depth look like at quarterback and wide receiver? Who has the upper hand, and who should we look out for at receiver? Hashtag Haley Strong. Um, Chris, I think it's Haley is his daughter. I think she's battling an illness. Um, so let's rally behind her. Uh, but quarterback, that's also a question that Blake Wilson asked about at BM Wilson 01. Both of them are asking basically who's going to start a QB. So ever since Coach Bross started, um, he took Eli Jenkins and converted him back from safety to quarterback like he was in high school. And I guess you would say the rest is history for the Gross era. Um, and this is kind of an interesting pivot point because this is going to be the first quarterback that Gross has had that he recruited. So this is really – To be fair, didn't Clark convert him back? Yeah, good point. Clark did convert him back um, in his first year because, right, it was Crow that put him at safety. Right, because the yeah. quarterback depth was um, with uh, oh, what's his name? It's not Ivory, is it? Who, who was the quarterback your... before Jenkins? It was Ivory, right? Yeah, Ivory. He had Blanchard because they split duties. Right. So Jenkins was kind of finally the shift into the spread that they wanted, and that worked great with what Clark wanted to do. Um, so. I don't know about you guys, but I know that I've seen a lot of stuff about Bryant Horn. I know that he probably got the most playing time out of the backups last year. Um, but do you guys have anybody that you're thinking that could be a dark horse? Chris, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I've been to a couple practices. I've been to a few scrimmages. Uh, Bryant's been taking, you know, majority, you know, when they when they go out on the field, it's been Bryant first and then Kendrick. And then the freshman uh, from Central Phoenix City, who I'm really high on, uh, Zion Webb. He definitely looks like the next Eli Jenkins. Um, I mean, we, you speak to quarterback depth behind them. I think it's Pyburn, uh, Taylor Hayes. No, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, Pyburn, Pruitt, and then Taylor Hayes. I want to say there may be another one, but I'm not sure. But I Hayes played think. at Piedmont, right? He's that tough little QB out of Piedmont? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the quarterback out of Piedmont. Um, Gross and the coaching staff would love just to get him on the field anywhere. I've seen them take a couple of snaps at a uh, kickoff return, uh, kickoff unit period. He he's a go getter. He's a he's he just has that will to win. But I mean, if we're talking quarterbacks. I think Bryant's going to take the first snap come Saturday. Kendrick's going to be right there. I think it's going to be 2000. Let's say 13 again, all over again with Short Tell and Eli. And then as the season progresses, then they'll figure out which one they want to go with. I hate that. I hate dual quarterback. First game with was it Gross was the head coach or was it Clark that was head coach? It was the road game in Chattanooga that we went to where Shortell and Jenkins split time and it was like a 13-13 game in the fourth quarter. Oh, that was the Alabama State game in 2013, which had been Clark's first year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and Gross said basically like they got too conservative, and I think a big part of it was is they were trying to figure out what each quarterback was comfortable with, right? And it ended up Jenkins had the the better arm and could do like the rollout stuff, right? And that's really how he won the job was he had, he was able to kind of stretch the pocket a little bit and yeah. get some plays on his feet. I think all these guys are going to be able to do that. Um, I mean, obviously Bryant's got some wheels because they played him at tight end as well, right? And no safety was it safety and linebacker. Okay. Um, and then I've seen Zion Webb in person, so he's he's down in my area. He's from my alma mater. And I got to see him play against Opelika and against Smith Station in the last two years. And he certainly has pocket presence. If they can just work on his reads, I think he's going to be really good. So he could be the future. But 
Bryant's got, I think, two more years of eligibility left. He's a redshirt junior. Yeah, so him and Dolph. So. Dolph has the same. He's yeah. a redshirt junior. Yeah. So it sounds like it's kind of unanimous there that Bryant's going to be the guy, but, you know, crazier things have happened. I mean, we, we thought that Shortell coming in with a big Big Ten pedigree may give Eli a run for his money, and that just never really panned out after, I think, three games into the season. Uh, so it was really I, just a mismatch of philosophies, though. He was never – I mean, in, in all fairness, he was not brought in to run the spread and – I mean, he, that was just, he wasn't mobile enough to run what Gross wanted. Right. I think his whole thing was, it was going to be play action with a big arm over the top, right? Yeah, that sounds right. So, one other question that Blake had um, was which mm-hmm. freshman and transfers do you expect to make an impact this season? Um, well, do we need to do the wide receiver question first? From Yeah, we should hit that uh, up. I almost left that one off there. So, really, I mean, losing Josh Barge is kind of a big loss, right? But we right. still have – I mean, I'm still looking in here. I think I see, like, ten guys on the roster. But we lost Anthony Johnson, too, who was 6'4", about mm-hmm. 215. He's just a big body and could get that air ball right. the or that jump ball. even close to that size is Dalen Brackett, redshirt sophomore at 6'3". No, uh, the kid out of Miami. Um, oh, yeah, Jamari Hester, I missed him. Yeah, he's 6'7", 210. He yeah. played a little bit last year. You saw some glimpses of what he could do. So, Chris, who's been getting most of the snaps, <laughs> like the first three guys in, in um, the scrimmages so far? I want to say it's pretty much what it's been in the media guide. Uh, Hester at one wide out, uh, Kendrick Sanders, there was constant transfer from last year out at the other one. And then Demontres, Terry in the slot. And then outside of them, you know, Penny Smith has been getting reps. Shaq Davidson's been getting reps. There's, it's it's quietly really deep, but you just wouldn't think so because of outside of Barge, outside of Ant Johnson, that you know it was like, hey, who's left? But it's what I think what we're missing is experience. It's not so much that we're not deep. It's just everybody lacks experience because with Josh Barge out there, I mean, who else is going to catch the pass? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That sounds right. Um, what about uh, Earl Calloway? He had a lot of potential, but he's been battling some injuries his whole JSU career and just hasn't been able to stay on the field long enough to show it. Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the times I went up there to watch the scrimmage, he was getting reps with the second team. I could be, you know, I could be mistaken there. Uh, third team, second team, first team, etc. Just it's like that with a lot of different positions. There's just so many. They're, they're so deep in a lot of positions that they just rotate in and out. You don't really know who's with what units. I've seen uh, Zion Webb with the first team offense. I've seen Zion Webb with the third team. It's just, it's like and that. Part was, of that is packaging a, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So a lot oh. of this really could be with a lot of unproven players with a lot of potential. Whoever get, makes the big catches, of course, against Chattanooga, and then you got a big game against Tech the next week. Probably the top three guys in receipt and receptions. Those couple of games are going to be the guys that are solid through the rest of the year. I would expect. Um, I definitely think Jamari's going to be the one. He's going to be the guy that people focus on the most. Probably taking Barge's spot. He looked really good when I watched him last season in the spring this year. He's just so tall. I stood next. I'm six one myself. I stood next to him and I was like, oh man, that's a mistake on my part because he's so tall. He's got hands. I've talked to Brian and Kendrick about it. They just 
they've looked to him the most because he's he's the most reliable receiver. I'm sure if, a lot of different positions or a lot of different players are going to emerge soon, but we don't. We have like you know a week and a half out or a week out from Chattanooga. Well, if, if something else we need, he'll be double teamed just because he's six seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so I mean that's six gonna inches automatic. taller than everyone else in the OVC, right? Anybody that covers him, you're going to have to bracket him. If you have any shot, so I mean, we could just throw jump balls to him in the red zone, and he's going to get most of those catches. Now, another name people may want to think about is Satchel Goodrich. Right. Heard a lot of good things coming out about him. Um, I think he's been running a lot. Like I said, you know, positions, depth so big. He's been running with the second team, third team, but he's definitely a guy to look out for in the future. When you know, there's, Like you guys mentioned, they're so deep in positions. It's kind of interchanged at this point. He's, he's interchanging with Terry in the slot position. Yeah. Two, two small, quick guys that can maybe just find a little hole in, in a zone and take a catch and just run it because they're so lightning fast. I know Terry's got some wheels on him. Uh, but then we have this, we I have no we got one senior in the whole group, so there's definitely a lot of potential here um, for the next. We also year. have no no familiar names in the tight end spot. Spencer Goffigan and Luke Smith all uh, graduated last year. Yeah, I mean the whole thing was a replacement. I saw a. Um, a picture, I think it was on Instagram with Coach Sandlin, and he was taking a picture with all of his tight ends. And I was like, I know none of these guys except for, oh, wait, there's Spencer Goffigan standing right next to him. I think he's an assistant this year. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's a GA and like, that whole tight end position. I think every single one of them are freshmen, true freshmen. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the most baby-faced position I've seen. Uh, but if you look at them, they've all got size, though. I mean, you're looking at 6'7", 220. Six five. So I mean, these are going to be some guys that are going to be able to a lay some blocks and b maybe catch some passes against some smaller safeties um, in the OVC that they can beat up on. Well, if they throw it to them, right? Who do you who do you throw to in this? And that was the thing I was looking at when I was looking over the positions. Um, Really, your offensive line looks pretty good, and then at running back you've got Rock. But other than that, the yardage. I mean, most of it's gone. So that, that is kind of concerning. It'll be interesting to see the first week what kind of strategy Coach Gross goes with. Does he go back to being more run-heavy like he was in his first couple of years while he was grooming Jenkins, or does he just go lights out with all these different receivers he has to try them out and see who sticks? So freshmen and transfers, speaking of the young tight ends, is there anybody that sticks out to you guys as being someone that could be a standout that we haven't seen before? Uh, I guess at tight end position specifically, I think the Trey Berry, uh, the freshman from Spanish 46, 7, 215, I think he's been running with the the ones for the majority of, the, of fall camp. Um, but like, you know, like you've mentioned, there's this, they're all freshmen, so you can't really, you don't really know what's going to happen until the game starts. He's going to be if if that's the case, he's going to look to fill sort of Gavin Ellis's role as that red zone threat that they hit over the middle. Or I would assume that would be it because Gavin Ellis was six six, about two fifty, six seven two fifty. It's going to be about the same thing. So what about linebacker? So you've got McCandless and Stoudemire back, right? But right. we ever rotate in. I mean, I know typically we run either a three-four or a nickel. The rest of the guys are mostly younger guys, right? Now there is one guy here that I want to see play. He's he's not a freshman, but Fagerstorm. 
or Fagerstrom, excuse me. That's a name right there that should instill fear. Um, but you got guys out there that got some playing time last year. I think Jalen Choice, he got a little time, if I remember correctly. Um, and then we finally have uh, Zeshwan Poe out of 8 Mile. He's He's been uh, committed to Jacksonville State for a long time, so it's good to finally see him on the roster. Well, one of the things that linebackers, Siren Neal has moved from linebacker to cornerback. So, I mean, they're going to have to fill that. I think it's strong side linebacker spot. Yeah, so there's an opportunity there for someone to fill a void. Oh, yeah. No. So I was like, I was just, I got distracted by this bottle of water I'm looking at. But no, you guys are right. Um, but it's tough to break through with that defense because they're returning eight, nine of the starters from last season. Um, I just, the defense is going to be so tough. It may be the best that anybody's ever seen on the grass. And it helps that people, like you guys have mentioned, uh, with Fager Strong, who have received snaps in the past, uh, Poe's expected to as well. Um, I've actually talked with him a, a couple times here and there since he's committed to JSU. He's a good guy, good kid. I guess I should say kid. Um, but he's kind of, times I've been out to see them practice, he's kind of been hampered with an injury here or there. I don't want to give anything too far away because I don't know anything. I don't want to give out false information. But I expect, you know, when he's healthy, I expect big things out of Poe, for sure. I'm As far as transfers, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the transfers shake up the offensive line because you have B.J. Altry from Baylor, who's just a, a mammoth, a wall of humanity, if you will, on the line. Um, and coming in with that D1 experience, I could see him making an impact immediately, especially since he in Baylor they ran a similar style offense. And then I think one of the most awaited transfers who's been here a little bit but hadn't been seen is Trammell Terry at running back. Uh, from what everybody's said and wants to see and hopes to see, he's just elect- he's lightning in a bottle. He'd be a good balance, too, for Rock, I think. I know that Rock, in the past, he's been one that he can sometimes disappear in games, and a lot of that is because he's splitting carries. But I think if he's got more um, – basically of a one-two threat if it if it is with Terry or if it's Tyus Flakes, you know, coming up out of nowhere or something like that, right? Um, to give him a little more energy so that he can break off some long runs, that'd be good. I'll be honest, Flakes may be the toughest runner of the top because uh, right now it's, he, it's Rock, Terry, and Flakes that are the top three. I think right. Terry or uh, Flakes may be the toughest runner out of the three of them. He certainly runs the lowest, I would say. I think Rock runs probably a little tall, which is probably part of the reason why he's been banged up in the past. But he's still a fantastic running back, of course. But Flakes is definitely one. Well, he he and Terry are about the same size. They're both about six foot tall, Mm -hmm. 210, 205 pounds. And uh, Flakes is (laughs) 5'9". I'm sorry, I'm looking looking at the media guy. You say that, and I see Terry six flat, 215, Rock's. Uh, let's see, number six, five eleven and one ninety three. But no, you you guys are right. Uh, when when if Tremel's healthy, he's definitely he's a good as Rock said when I asked him about. It, he's more lightning than thunder. Um, Flakes is obviously the three right now, um, or two three. He's very physical. He he likes to get up and down. But I'll tell you another running back to kind of keep an eye on. I don't think know if he's going to get playing time now. Oh, this season, but for the future is Michael Matthews, that freshman out of UMS Wright. I watched him in that second scrimmage, and he reminded me of Tremaine Pope. But 
you know, maybe redshirt this season and kind of give him the the, the lay of the land. And then next season, two seasons from now, he's going to be the guy. That makes There's sense. a couple of things that redshirt. Historical power there out in uh, southwest Alabama. It's no surprise that the running back coming over there is pretty solid. So I guess that leaves us one final mailbag question and the real reason why Chris is even talking <laughs> to us tonight. And that is he sent us a question that was off the wall in our mailbag. I was hoping we'd get one of these, and of course we got it from Chris. <laughs> if a hot dog is a sandwich. I'm, I'm going to save my opinion for the end. But This is sabotage, isn't it, Chris? You're trying to discredit us as a media outlet. No, 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 I'm, I'm not. I just... You know, I've heard a lot of different media outlets, a lot of different personalities say certain ways. And, you know, I think I, I started off, I definitely think a hot dog is a sandwich because technically you have, if you want to consider a hot dog a piece of meat, because a lot of people consider processed meat, you have it within a bun. And that's basically what a sandwich is. Would you consider a hamburger a sandwich? Yeah. Well, oh, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Even though a I'm lot just, of people are like, yeah, hamburger's a hamburger, but yeah, I know it's a piece I'm of just, meat. I'm just looking for consistency. I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm going to say a hot dog is not a sandwich, and here's why. One, the bun is in one piece. Yes, it may split after you fold it over to encompass <laughs> the hot dog, but it is technically one piece of bread. Also, there is a committee for hot dogs and how to eat them. Whether I agree with the committee is another thing entirely. But it has its own committee, therefore making its own food. So Thus, a hot dog is not a etiquette way to eat a sandwich. They, they, <laughs> no, they have rules about what condiments you can and can't put on it, whether you should eat it with a fork. I, I'm not making this up. I wish I was, but I'm not. So down here, it's a little different. So in Columbus, there's a place um, that serves a, something. It's, a, it's an entity called a scramble dog. And you probably had something like this at some point, but for some reason, Columbus, Georgia branded this. And what it is is it's like a hot dog wiener, and it's a like slice of American cheese kind of that sits in the bottom of the hot dog, sits on top of it. And then you take chili and onions... And then this, the secret is they put oyster crackers on it, and that's like this own thing. And you, there's no way to eat it except for with a knife and a fork. Because <laughs> if you didn't, it's going to eat you first. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm hearing? A bunch of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weak sauce. And it, I, I will say that I've sat down in places called Dinglewood Pharmacy. It's like in the middle of a neighborhood in Columbus. And I've seen some people come in there and try to eat it that way with their hands, and it's it's just a colossal failure because it's not like really thick, chunky chili. It's like really runny, like ballpark chili. So it's not going to be something that you're you're going to take. You're just going to say, oh, "I'll just throw my tie over my shoulder or something and try to do this." It's not going to work, right? I'm gonna. No, these people are not experienced. You bring a bib. Now that's it's like a rob lobster place. You bring your own bib. I mean, this this is no, no. They're not trying hard enough. Right. They don't want it bad enough. Here, here's what we're gonna do. Here's here's how we're gonna get into video content next. We're gonna bring you down. We're gonna have you try to eat this thing with your hands, and we're gonna see if you can pull it off or not. Oh, I'm I'll buy you like you, a whole year's worth of it. Yeah. Okay. Not allowed to use it for. I'll do it. But now you're gonna have to edit it because I'm gonna go shirtless. <laughs> but I will. Eat it, my gosh. 
we'll, we'll get like a shader. We'll have to put it put it over a filter or something. I'm gonna have to eat it in the dark. So I'm gonna lean on the side that a hot dog is a sandwich for this reason and this reason alone. The Chicago dog. I'm a big fan of the Chicago dog, which has like the tomato and the pickle and the relish and the onions on it. And it's all kind of similar condiments that you would put on a regular sandwich. So that's my that's my logic behind it. If we're, if we're talking about just a hot dog with mustard or like the hot dog that they eat at the eating contest where it's just plain. You're doing one specific type of dog. 50. That is just one type of The versatility of, of the hot dog is what makes it not a sandwich. It's like its own category in your mind because of that? Yeah. The versatility alone. Hmm. If... Okay, if it was coming out of high school as a recruit, it would be labeled an athlete. Except if you eat a lot of them, you're definitely not, right? The guy Depends. That wins, the guy that wins all of the, um, all of the contests, what's his name, like Johnny something? That guy's definitely oh. not an athlete even though he's on ESPN because the Lord knows if he's training for this all the time, he can't run a marathon. Now, if he, if he turns around and does that next, I'm going to be really impressed. That should be like the triple crown. There's a contest you win. You don't, I, you don't have to call me an athlete. He's just a winner. $100,000 a pop, shoot, yeah, he is. No, I mean, I mean, speaking of the guy, his name's Joey Chestnut. Uh, every time it's July 4th, I, I wake up, I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this guy eat some hot dogs. I think last year it was like 70 or 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And this like, last record, yeah, on 4th yeah. of July. Yeah, I'm like, wake up, I'm like, <laughs> I want to do it just to see how many I can get. I get to like four or five or six, and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm done, guys. So you, you he broke his own this. record. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just, he's got so many other just food records, like chili. Uh, I want to say it was like three gallons of chili in 10 minutes or 15 minutes. It was crazy. I just I hate to be that guy's like gastroenterologist because you know he's got to have one. <laughs> so so let me take this a step further. Is a corn dog a sandwich? Oh That's man! Question. Touche. How is that even a question? <laughs> it's on a stick. <laughs> no, it's not a sandwich. It's just I'll this never... abomination that's delicious. That's all. If you have to dip it in sauce outside of an au jus, it's not a sandwich. <laughs> you, could ask some, you could ask some of those LSU guys from last season. They would, they could have told you an answer. Yeah, corn dog. I, I love that they have that reputation. I don't know how you get a <laughs> reputation like that, but if LSU smells like corn dogs, then Chattanooga smells like onions. And here, here's the reason why. Because every time I go up there, I just leave with like this bad like taste in my mouth. I don't know why and I say that my sister lives in Chattanooga. But every Well that's why he's been stuffing that rim. I'll just stay home next time. So that that brings well, that's us why. to Saturday, right? So what are you guys thinking because I know that it's kind of wide open right now. It's, it's the crowd's definitely going to be Jacksonville um, because it's in Montgomery, but I mean both the teams are in the top 25. Uh, both teams have solid coaches, and both of them have strong defenses. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Ben Endress on this one. The last <laughs> time Chatty beat you or uh, JSU, Jadavian Clowney was the number one high school recruit in America. It has been that long, hasn't it? What what is it now? Three in a row or four in a row? I forget. The playoff game in overtime. The playoff game confuses everybody. Yeah. 
That's that's the trick question in the whole series, right? But that was the best one. Man, I'm gonna miss Huseman. Both of them, actually. I was always, I was always worried about the quarterback because I think I watched him. Uh, obviously, play JSU twice, um, and then I watched him play Fordham the game before Chattanooga came to JSU for the playoff game. And I was like, man, if this guy, he, I don't say gave it a little more because I'm sure he gave it a lot um, of you know energy, etc. For that game, I just he was always the quarterback that I was worried about more than anybody that JSU's played in recent history, with the exception of Carson Wentz for obvious reasons. I just felt Huseman was really good, really talented, and provided the dual threat challenge that our quarterbacks provide for defenses. And the funny thing was, is he could carry the load too. He the first time I saw, um, was his name Jacob Huseman, right? I think that's yeah. Um, I, I looked at him. And I said they use this guy a lot, like Tebow. Like they're pulling guards for him and stuff, and he's just kind of running right in between the tackles. Jenkins did some of that, but really where Jenkins got his big runs was on the outside, right? He would he would stiff arm one guy and he'd be gone. So he's a little bit different type of player. And what that dynamic is at quarterback is kind of difficult to replace that. It, I'm going to say that for a Jenkins or a Houston, he even Wentz at times when he was at North Dakota State could run the ball pretty well. His, his first name was... Baby Huseman. Baby Huseman. <laughs> At least that's what our fans like to call him. I remember when we were in Chattanooga and somebody had a sign or something and the security tried to take it away because it had something to that effect, like Baby Huseman. Um, ne- nepotism is an amazing thing. At least he backed it up, right? So I'm, I'm looking here at a really, really early conference preview uh, for – the SOCON, they have Chattanooga at second behind Wofford. So, again, strong team. I'm, I'm going to say that just the home crowd is going to give JSU an advantage there. Um, but I think it's going to be close. I'm thinking it's going to be like a four-point game like it typically is. I think the defense is going to help it a lot. Um, well, the last scrimmage I watched, I guess it's going on. Uh, a week and a half or so ago that they just they're so suffocating that it's really hard not to expect a shutout and I'm not I'm not estimating a shutout by any means. I just with Darius Jackson, McCallis leading the way and our our D line so deep that it may be just a random twenty four to ten game or something like that in terms of our defense keeps them at bay for a majority of the game. Now to be fair they have been playing our guys, so they they know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. But it's gonna. I mean, if if uh, Darius Jackson can build on last year's performance, Monty Young, and we can get that pressure off the edge, and the linebackers play solid like they've been doing, then I think I think it's gonna be a tough challenge for UTC. But and if, um, on the other side of that, you know, with with a new quarterback, with a lot of new receivers of uh, three starters on the offensive line, it's going to take our offense a little bit of time as well to get everything going the way it should be, the way we're used to. And you know, I don't want fans to think, oh, the offense is not good because you know we may not score as consistently as we have in years past as well. So if this is going to be a blowout, it's going to be in the form of an EKU, what, two years ago, where it was like three pick sixes, 
Yeah, yeah. If it's going to be anything like that, it, you know, score-wise, it's going to be something like that. Okay. And that could be interesting. This could be the most JSU Chattanooga thing to ever happen, but what if both teams end up just getting pick sixes and that's the only way they score? And <laughs> we go for like two or something, and that's how we win the game. That would be the most Chattanooga thing ever. Like, anytime we play Chattanooga, it's all bets are off. It's almost always this weird game where either we can't get going or they they get some kind of crazy play or something. I remember, I think it was, what, two years ago, they got like a tip pass or something and returned it. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that that happens in this rivalry. It's the closest thing we have at this point, I would say, to a rival. Even though now, is this the last year we're, we're, going to, we're scheduled to play them for a no, while? No, no. We, we have, they're supposed to come down, I want to say it's 2019 or yeah. 20, obviously. 2018, one of the two that's supposed to actually make the home trip. Yeah, I think the question was asked to Greg, uh, Greg Seitz, our AD, um, back when this was announced. And like this was like a separate thing that basically ESPN helped get together just for television revenue or something. Like it's totally out of the other contract that we have signed with them. So originally we went up there in what, 2016 and 2015, and then the return trips were 2019 and 2018. So I, I don't think this counts towards that. Okay. Because I wanted to keep this going as long as possible. <laughs> I could I could certainly the the thing that's nice about Chattanooga is from Jacksonville it's it's really a short drive it's not I would say it's almost closer than the other OVC teams even even the ones in like Nashville I think it's pretty stinking close um, and of course the alumni base that we have up there I mean you have tailgate groups like the Ringgold Roosters that are just right in that backyard, and it makes for a nice atmosphere even when you travel to Chattanooga, despite it being Nuga. Um, the wayside is always fun. But what, so, so let's talk about real quick the, the rest of the schedule, and we're going to be wrapping this up here soon. Um, we've got Georgia Tech right after that in Atlanta. There's going to be a really big alumni event that's going on uh, that week. I know that uh, Crystal Prater one of our new writers, she's the alumni president for, I think it's, I don't think it's East Alabama, but it's like Lee County, um, based out of Opelika here. And she mentioned there was going to be a massive um, get-together up there. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's going to be a, um, I think it's going to be like a tailgate party. And I think it's going to actually be the Rome group that's going to be hosting it, which is kind of interesting. Um, but be on the lookout for that. And then after that, you got Liberty at home. So that's the return trip from last year. And then home games in the OVC, you've got Tennessee Tech, Austin P, Eastern Illinois, and then Tennessee Martin near the end of the season. Jeez. So tough road games are EKU and – oh, excuse me. I said those backwards. Excuse me. <laughs> I was about to say, I looked at this and I said, oh, wait, that's a different town. Um, you've got EKU at home. And then you got Tennessee State at home. Those are probably the two big home games. Uh, but you've got P on the road, Tech on the road, Panthers on the road, and then Tennessee Martin at home. That may be, or on the road, excuse me, that may be the toughest road game on the schedule, in my opinion. Is SEMO at home? Tech. Yeah, SEMO is at home. SEMO is at homecoming. Um, the first four games are going to be just brutal. I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. I'm thinking the first two weeks. I don't think Liberty or Tech proved too much of a challenge. Now, with a new quarterback, who knows? But 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we beat Liberty and Tech by a combined thirty five points. Well, if anything, Liberty's a letdown game because it's coming right after Georgia Tech, where the boys are going to be hyped to play there, and then they're going to be coming off of that win or lose. One and so it, that's almost a trap game. And so, so that may kind of offset the trap setup a little bit. I think we play Tech close in the first half, and I think they pull away, but I don't think it's a blowout. Um, well, they just suspended their leading rusher. They do, well, they cut him from the team, so that that's yeah. a big. That's a big shift there. Um, I was hearing about that in the office on Friday. We have a lot of Atlanta folks and a lot of tech folks in our office. Um, I'm looking at this, and I don't really see more than maybe maximum two losses with one of them being just stupid, like Murray State or something, something just silly that you don't see. I can, I can see Georgia Tech. I could see Chattanooga going either way. I could see Tennessee State. Uh, EKU's had talent. They just hadn't showed up on the field, so it's about time. They're they're almost due one, at least a close game. And then the stupid game, and UT Martin's been good the last couple of years, at least you know for a barn burner or two. So, I mean, you have potential at all those places. I see. I, see, I could see as many as three to four losses or more. I think that's yeah. With that one in particular, um, I think a lot of people are saying the streak doesn't matter, but um, you know the OBC streak we'd break it at against EKU at home on the fourteenth. Um, let's see, five six. I, we may get to thirty against uh, UT Martin on the road. Uh, I think that one obviously they're they're really hyped up right now. Uh, UT Martin's supposed to be really good. Tennessee State, the same way. We don't really have a lot of film on what they did last year. So I think that could also be something. It, would, it wouldn't It would be – I don't say it would stink to lose that one at home. Well, um, their Mur- QB, when he was a freshman, lit us up up until Darius Jackson uh, busted his head open. Yeah, and they got Treon Harris now from uh, Florida. He's their transfer. I don't know if he's starting or not, but he's supposed to be – he's on the roster and whatnot. He, can he throw the ball – and, you know, could he throw a football off a boat and hit water? I'm sure, I'm sure, especially in the FCS. Because weren't they trying to – weren't they moving him to tight end in, in Florida? Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to speculate anything without knowing, but I, I don't know for sure. I think uh, – I mean, Murray doesn't have KD Humphreys anymore. Simo is another year older, so maybe they pre- – Provide a, a better challenge than years past. EIU's EIU at their place. It's always windy. Austin P uh, is UTC light. <laughs> I mean, I'm the guy who's been like, I, I don't know if it's because there's a lot of Austin P connections with people from around here. Um, I know they have a, a former Piedmont linebacker up there, but I think they get better. I don't know if they beat JSU. I think they get their first win in a while. They're supposed to have, like, Mr. Football of Tennessee from this past year at quarterback. He's supposed to be up there. Um, playing EKUs at home is always fun. And then, like you guys mentioned, Tennessee Tech. Um, they've getting, they've getting, been getting better. I remember going up to Cook Villa, I guess, two years ago now, and it wasn't close. But another year, another year wiser. One thing to your point about SEMO, I know that they were super young last year. I'm just not sure if another year of experience is going to 
even get them in the ballpark um, from a from a comp- competitive perspective. Um, maybe maybe when all those kids are seniors, they they put up a fight. Right right now, I just think Semo Semo may secret be, secretly be the program with the longest road to, road basically to get back to where they need to be from where they were what three four years ago where they were competing for conference championships. P, in my eyes, may actually, from a program perspective, may be in stronger footing just from who their coaching staff is. I'm definitely eager to get Liberty down here. I've, you know, I've met a couple guys via Twitter, one of the beat writers, one of the fans. Um, I'm kind of eager to meet them and see what they're up to this season. Um, Georgia Tech, I'm actually, you know, they dismissed, as you guys mentioned, they dismissed the running back a couple days ago. I don't want to say that's almost a lock now because, you know, you, it's not the same team as years past, but I definitely like our chances a lot better than I have. And Chattanooga, I feel like that's the most toss-up game on the schedule. One thing with, with UT Martin, they, they've been kind of a black horse, um, or a dark horse, excuse me, over the last couple of years. And it seems like this year they may finally have a quarterback that puts them over the edge. I could easily see it being something where Tennessee Martin comes, or we go to Tennessee Martin, and we are both undefeated in conference. And if that happens, that's going to be a really fun game, regardless of the outcome. So we're saying don't say that. Right? It's only fun to win. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've enjoyed watching a couple games that we've came on the short end of the stick for, specifically Auburn. Um, that was fun, no matter what. <laughs> I enjoyed it up until we lost. At that point, it was a bitter memory. Yeah. So so we're going anywhere from like two to maybe five, as many as five losses on the schedule based on what I'm hearing. And it, I think a lot of it really does depend on what happens at quarterback. Um, if Horn steps in and he's, you know, hit, hitting the ground running there, I think that it's not a big deal. And I think that we kind of, the program continues to move forward. If it's something where we struggle and we have injury bugs like we did a couple of years ago uh, under Clark, I think it could be something where we kind of look back at a program and go, okay, we've taken a small step back because we're having to replace all this great talent um, with talent that's really good, but it's just it just needs experience, right? I think, on my opinion, I'll go anywhere between two to four. Um, obviously, a lot of people are hoping for the la- uh, you know less than two. But, you know, like, there's a lot of question marks going into the first couple of weeks. But once we get those question marks figured out and what punctuation is an English pun for a lot of people. Um, after that, then I think we'll be OK. You know, if we don't have things figured out, I'll say by EKU, then we may be in trouble. So we so we're saying the worst case scenario, they're seven and four. And depending on who, who the four losses are, if, it, if it's a loss to like Austin P or to SEMO, that probably hurts your playoff chances. But if your four losses, let, let's just say worst-case scenario, you got Chattanooga, Tech, Liberty out of conference, right? So you start the season 0-3, and then you end up with one loss to Tennessee Martin, and Tennessee Martin's undefeated in conference, I think you probably end up with an at-large bid in the playoffs. Yeah. But if yeah. those four losses are in conference, forget it, right? Oh, yeah. I think it also depends on the performance in the wins because you'd have to rack up some style points. Yeah, I think so. They they try to say that the style points don't matter except until you start having to compare teams against one another, right? 
you've got two at largest. So this has happened before. I think what was it two years ago, where there were there could have been potentially three at larges or two at larges plus the conference champion out of the OVC. And what ended up happening is they looked comparatively and they ended up going with just two teams because one team beat another one by a decent margin. So other upcoming events. So classes begin, and I know students hate to hear this, classes begin on Tuesday. I'm sorry. I'm totally done with that, so I don't care. But you guys have a good time with that. Um, of course, the game is on Saturday. That's on ESPN if you can't make it, but it's such a short drive that if you can make it, you should. I want to say that tickets are still available. I haven't seen any notices yet about tickets being sold out. That's at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery. Uh, there's going to be an alumni tailgate for this game as well. It's going to be at Patterson Field from 1.30 to 4.30, and then the kickoff's at 5.30. So just remember, this is the first televised college football game on ESPN, as far as I know, uh, for the season. So this is going to be one that it's not going to get the, the fanfare that Labor Day weekend is going to get by ESPN, but it's going to be one where they're going to have probably like a B-team maximum uh, producing the game, but it's still going to have all that same kind of excitement because it's going to be something where, at least in the South, where a bunch of football-addicted people are going to be like, oh, my goodness, football, here's my, here's my fix to get me through six more days, right? Um, so it's going to be a really fun game. You mentioned uh, the ESPN game this weekend. There's actually Portland State at BYU is at two on ESPN, and then oh, us. The and us. <laughs> what a blowing yeah. game. And then there's Stanford and Rice after us, assuming we get done before 9 o'clock. Well, uh, see, 9 o'clock Central, yeah. Assuming we're done by 9. So the BYU game's going to get plenty of television just because of their fan base and how big it is. Um, yeah. And then Stanford's going to be – Stanford is just Stanford, so they're going to be interesting. But I'm going to say any any football fan that – understands the, that the SES is at least good football. My guess is that they probably still slotted us at the right time at 530 um, yeah. to get hopefully the majority of the views there. Now, BYU may get it because of national exposure, but I think that overall I think we're in a good slot. Hopefully this isn't going to be the last year that we do this. If it's like a blowout game or something, maybe, maybe we never get invited anymore because they want a good game, a good close game, but um, I know that, what was it, two years ago it was Montana and North Dakota State or something like that, and it was down to the wires crazy. Yep. You get something like that, that kind of excitement, that really kind of helped Montana get more exposure uh, because everybody else thinks, oh, it's just North Dakota State kind of ruling everything down here, even after last season. Um, this is going to be something that hopefully is going to be really good exposure. They were, speaking of NDSU, I'm sure you know everybody's had the, the kind of the talk of the town. Whereas we were supposed to play them to open up last season, but things fell through there. Obviously, we'd we'll love to see that happen at some point in the future. I'm not sure if it's going to happen because I'm sure NDSU would want a home and home or just a home with us going up there. And I'm not sure, you know, Mr. Sykes would be okay with, you know, a, not a return trip. Yeah, I know I wouldn't do it. Even even for the exposure, just because they have their own television contract, I think with NBC, I, I still don't think I would want to do just one way. I think it would be one where we would have to do a home-and-home. Home. That's, that's for the most part what he's been doing, right? Even if it's like Chattanooga where it's delayed, he expects that return game because we need that revenue. 
in the same way that the teams that we go visit need revenue, right? Yeah. I, mean, I would definitely, even if, if not them, uh, I'm sure Richmond would be a, a team of interest to a lot of people with Houston up there, uh, same Houston State, et cetera. There's just a lot of different ways to go, but I know the FCS doesn't have the budget that FBS teams do in terms of travel and just kind of getting a central location. We just happen to luck up with uh, Montgomery kind of being right there with Chattanooga. It's something that's an interesting location to- choice, too. I know that uh, in previous seasons they've done just like a, a random team's home stadium. Um, I, I think it's more Montgomery that's trying to push like their location, um, but I'm trying to think of other neutral sites that could be decent locations uh, for an FCS game, and I'm not coming up with a lot because, the, I mean, there are more popular FCS teams north of the Mason-Dixon line, but the only neutral sites up there are mostly um, mostly NFL stadiums that aren't going to get filled, right? The Crampton Bowl is kind of unique. Um, yeah. it's, it's still just small enough that you can fill it. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, kind of, I don't know, say two FCS teams because Georgia State tried to do it, but get two FCS teams at the Mercedes Dome, uh, or sorry, whatever whatever they call it now, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I know we're playing Kennesaw State at SunTrust uh, next year. Just kind of see what the future holds in terms of that. More games in baseball stadiums. I've done that myself. It's kind of interesting. It's a little bit different field, but as long as you give me the food that the baseball stadium has, I'm good. Ballpark food is really good. So with that, y'all, that brings us back to the hot dogs and the hot takes. Uh, Leave your hot takes for us on Twitter. Again, we're at CockyNation.com. On Facebook, we're at Facebook.com forward slash CockyNation. We'll see you guys on Saturday. Have a good one.